Hello and welcome to the Two Medic podcast. My name is Therisha Gunawardner. I'm a cardiology registrar subspecializing in intervention. Hi, my name is Beth and John and I'm a GP trainee, ex-neurosurgery trainee specializing in everything and everything. So today we haven't really been discussing TV shows and stuff. This week. I know, right? There's obviously a lot to cover. And so before we do that, a shout out to our sponsors. So at scrubs underscore UK. So that's spelled S-C-R-B-S underscore UK. And that's there's missing a U because they put U in scrubs. So they make comfortable, practical, and durable scrubs that look great. And anyone from doctors, dentists, AHPs, carers, vets, they make scrubs that are perfect for you. Lots of pockets and things. So do check them out. Use our promo code, which is 2medics10, T-W-O-M-E-D-I-C-S-10 to get 10% off. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Now, I know that we shouldn't dedicate an whole episode to PAs, but literally Mm. so many of our links are about PAs. Mm. Interestingly, it got to the point where it's even discussed in Parliament, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm like understanding the vibe right. But from what I saw, it was from our great friend, Steve Barkley, insinuating that the, the PA role is being expanded to stand up to the BMA. With, is it with regards yeah. to junior doctors and strikes and stuff? Or? Yeah, that's pretty much literally what he said. Like he was saying, wow. Labour don't have any answers to the strike, the strikes by doctors, whereas we are expanding physicians, associates, PAs. And he, the implication was that this is a way of countering the strikes. Which plays perfectly to what most people are worried about, right? The roles of PAs within a hospital are expanding. The words used quite commonly are scope, creep. And that was pretty much some of the quiet stuff said out loud. Or Mm. at least that's what people have taken from it. And it's been almost obscene, the level of discourse about it. Mm. It makes it very hard to be reasonable. Or at least that's how it feels. Yeah, yeah. And it does because I think there are really valid arguments, not an arguments, debate or whatever we want to call it, about serious concerns about the role and the regulation or lack of and, and what people can and can't do. But I feel like a lot of it just descends into this complete trash talk, doesn't it? And then any reasonable message just sometimes gets a bit lost because it turns into just people slagging each other off and yeah. Like that can be cathartic in itself, but I'm like, like I'm not yeah. sure. Like we should reserve that for like, when it's like a serious debate to be had. Right. It just takes the I don't know, it just I think it just people just switch off, don't they? Like they're just like, oh, I'm not getting involved with this. And then you've just lost your yeah, audience I agree. all of a sudden. That's the thing, isn't it? Because people act you mentioned before we started recording that it is it doesn't sadly appear to be the people who make the most of a scene and stamp the feet the most that kind of get heard. Oh. But at the same time, you really do undermine your argument by acting like a dipstick, don't yeah. you? Just being completely, just seeing, seeming completely irrational and unable to see the, the words from the trees. But I have to say, this kind of tweet that you linked, which made a comparison, was mm. completely wild to you. Where they say, doctors are to Barclay what miners were to Thatcher. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's big, that isn't is it? Quite a yeah, tip. yeah. 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 And that was, some, I think it's, it's someone. It was a doctor whose husband apparently made that observation. And I'm okay. I'm like, I get what you're trying to say. It's quite dr- dramatic, uh, to put it lightly. And then there is that, is that it just like eggs into that feeling, doesn't it? Of like that we're 
people are trying to get rid of doctors. And you know what? That is probably partly that because look at what the Tories are doing to our health service and kind of yeah. money wise and stuff. But it's like, I don't know if that's again, like the message that we should be like comparing ourselves to the minor strikes, which is right. incredibly different and much, much more difficult time for many oh reasons. Oh my gosh. So many it's reasons. True. As a Welsh Valleys girl myself, I'm like, this is yeah. not, again, this is not the comparison that we need to make. Need this to be made, this yeah. is not how we get our message across. But doesn't it illustrate the problem, which is what happens is when you become so hyperbolic and then you end up going down these silos of ridiculous conversations about saturism, about mileage, about the miners mm. and whatever, and these kind of weird comparisons. And then you lose your message because you're, you've got caught up in nonsense. Totally. And uh, there's some good re replies. Like Prof. Alison Leary said, Thatcher wasn't that keen on you either, to be honest. Yeah, what and, makes you um, think that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the other one that I thought was quite good, which was by Sir Clive Wismere, who said, the humbling of doctors is part of a larger long-term process of capitalism, subduing all the profession, which I think is a more subtle way of appreciating the process, which is, yeah. I think, a bit of thought would be wise but mm. there's obviously a lot of topics that have been conversation generating do you want to talk about jacob dewolf his he's done a reasonable take but on what the background to what he's talking about is yes i feel every couple of weeks or even less than that now we see a story that's just just hits reddit or twitter or med twitter crazily because it's about mm. how a patient has come to harm and it turns out that said patient hasn't seen a doctor as such. And I think in two cases that I'm aware of now, it's been a PA. So the first one was like a month or so ago. It was a, a lady with a PE, wasn't it? That yeah. was misdiagnosed. And then again, more recently, I believe it was a young gentleman who apparently had family history of aortic dissection, presented with kind of pain radiating into his arm and saw a PA, as it turns out, and was misdiagnosed as like panic or anxiety and then ended yeah, yeah. up sadly passing away because it ended up being a aortic dissection. And then I feel like everyone is very emotional driven and I get the emotion behind it. And again, this goes to what we're saying about the message is just kind of getting a bit muddied because yeah. people feel so strongly about it. And I get that young people died and this could have been, maybe it could have been avoidable. That's by the by. But it's that, oh, PAs are dangerous. They're missing these diagnoses. And it's, it's, it's almost given that air of like, a doctor would never miss these things, which we know is BS. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, that's not the hill to die on, is it? That you've just lost the nuance. And I get, again, yeah, it's very emotional driven. And I, and I get that. But the, again, it's the comparison of a doctor would never act like this. And it's, you can't Absolutely. quite say that. Yeah, exactly. If you, do you want, do you really want to be getting into the, the kind of habit of basically taking examples like this and then putting them onto social media where you basically dissect a case with the aim of character assassinating a profession. Because in the end, this will affect doctors too. Because as you yeah. say, aortic dissection, PEs, they are d difficult diagnoses to make. Yeah. Jacob DeWolf makes an in interesting point because one learning point among several in this sad case, aortic dissection can present on the ambulatory care unit. Can we avoid the cognitive biases? and include it in the differential diagnosis, even if a new score is zero and patient looks well, because that's how it happens. In my medical legal practice, I've seen several cases where an acute aortic dissection was missed in ambulatory care. Obviously, I can't comment, I won't comment 
on breach of duty here. But I do consider that the environment may prejudice clinicians against considering the diagnosis. Not all acute aortic dissections are seen in a and resus, which is true. And the other thing that kind of, so when people talk about it, they're like, oh, when you make a, a diagnosis of aortic dissection, you would have had a D-dimer, there's a risk score. Those things were followed. So the D-dimer was negative. Yeah. And that's what people keep mentioning here. The D-dimer was negative. And his risk score, I think, was zero. I think people have dissected the case. Instead. Yeah, since they've like they've convinced themselves maybe that he suddenly scores points on an unvalidated yeah. tool, isn't it? That's the other thing right? as well. And so they're like, well, yeah, we're actually not. And then there's the mental gymnastics at play. Like people say, we're not blaming the PA. We're blaming the kind of medical consultant who has system. allowed this to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really well, you're because... not you're actually blaming that not PA, really. aren't you? That's weird. PA, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's the whole dissection of said cases, like after the fact. It's hmm. so easy, isn't it? Once you have all the information or the coroner's inquest or what's been reported in the media, like hindsight's wonderful. You've just you're dissecting that after it's happened, and of course you're going to come to that conclusion of I wouldn't have missed that, and it's yeah. We don't know that, yeah. That's true. And their other argument, which I see, their point is okay. So it's a difficult diagnosis to make. So then, why would you have? Why would you prefer someone who's had less training than? someone who as in you know a shorter amount of training than someone who's got a medical degree and okay but then that's not an answer that's not the conclusion from this case yeah. that's a separate conclusion yeah. that's a few degrees of separation apart and you can make that case without, without yes that example exactly and so i just think it's a way of you just it's a rod for our own back i think jumping on like mistakes in this way is not the way to go about it yeah certainly going over things like the amount of training and stuff it makes sense and and i don't personally disagree with some of the conclusions yeah and these cases are important because that's like the whole point of like morbidity and mortality meetings isn't it like we all come together Mm. and we learn from cases that have either died or see what we can what we could do differently what we can learn and a case like this is important in that respect, regardless of who saw the patient and who didn't make a diagnosis. So there's learning to be got from that way. But yeah, what you're saying, I agree, like the learning is not about PAs are bad just from this one particular case. The argument about our concerns about PAs can be made in many, many other ways. Um, whereas this yeah. case should be like a learning opportunity for us all in general in terms of seeing acutely acute patients in the ambulatory care or Exactly. Exactly. And there are, like, I think, important things to take from it uh, that I think people are missing. And and the thing that kind of really gets me is that we're missing out on that because of this kind of confected outrage. And there are loads of people who've never done, I swear to God, have never diagnosed an aortic dissection before, like weighing in on this and that. I saw some radiology registrar, like going off on one, being like, oh, it's obviously this and it's obviously that. And it just made that person in particular made me think about a time quite recently where I saw a patient who'd had chest pain and he had a chop rise. The D-dimer was negative. And because it was chest pain and a chop rise, I got asked to see him and he had a murmur and he'd been seen by a number of different doctors, including some yeah. consultants. And still, when I saw him, I thought, oh, it's a bit weird, this murmur. He had aortic regurgitation. And of course, he had an aortic dissection. He'd been given antiplatelets and ACS treatment. And... I remember then when I went to go and speak to the radiology reg about getting a CT aorta, he was all like, oh, he was just like, oh, so the tr- but the D-dimer was 
Yeah. Did he die was normal? Go, yeah. And he's like, was it tearing chest pain? And I remember he had, he was like showing, this guy was like showing this other radiology training the ropes or something. And I think, I don't know if he's trying to be all impressive and stuff. And I literally was like, bro, I've done an echo. He's got AR. This yeah, is like. Yeah, and I'm also a cardiology specialist. Yeah. And, and uh, he was like, oh, no, whatever, put it through. Mm. And the thing is that I think that kind of illustrates in a way yeah. that we are like a medical school. We get to all tearing chest pain. Yeah. It's this and it's that. And we're so afraid to look outside. Think outside of, the box. What, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Not everyone's we're classical. So like, right. And so I just, I think one of the things I guess we should do is loosening the purse strings on CTA autism. We've got to be CTA-ing more people. And, and it shows how important a family history is. I think that was one thing that was maybe missed. Something but... I definitely learned, even from hearing about this case being yeah. bitched about essentially, was that I've definitely learned that. And then what you're saying though, tickles me about like a radiology reg weighing in saying, well, I would have done an X, Y or Z. Mm -hmm. This radiology regs have literally got x-ray vision. They can see inside people. It makes <laughs> yeah, it a very yeah. different, we're not on the same playing field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, it's it so is, true. everyone is suddenly an expert, aren't they, when it comes to these things. But then, so then, obviously then, the, on, on the topic of PAs, there was a tweet, there are tweets from 2021 yeah. that were getting dredged yeah, up. Vintage. Did you see the offending tweet? I did. I came across it. It was like a photo of, did they win like an employee of the month or doctor of the month doctor, award? Doctor yeah. of the week. Doctor of the yeah, week. Yeah. But it's got position but, in the title. So it's great. <laughs> so like people are getting so vexed about it. And one of the funniest, one of the funniest things about it is that person who did that tweet, sent that photo, hasn't been active for two years on Twitter. So like they probably deleted Twitter from their yeah. but literally like the momentous, like, yeah, right. Moment, yeah. So I don't know what happens if they were to reinstall Twitter. Would those notifications be bosh or would it be like yeah? Not, they wouldn't point. even see it. Yeah, yeah. It's of people shouting at the barking at the moon. Like, yeah, literally. Ah, and this person doesn't even have Twitter on their yeah, phone anymore. Into the void. Like, right. Yeah. And then they were getting upset about a certificate, sort of a doctor of the week thing, which is so pathetic. A pathetic. Any, yeah, like anyway. the whole concept of it is. Ridiculous. Right? Like, I would be ashamed if I won that. Right. Right. And then people are like, oh, it's what it represents. It was the beginning of the end. You could see this is, we should like, we're start now, 2023, we're two years since that event. That was the charting of the, yeah. I'm like, mate, what is wrong with you? Or do you mean, or do you think actually, like, they, they saw that in 2021 and they had this like forward thinking vision and they're like, do you know what? I'm going to wait until October 2023 yeah. before I, I pull this out of the bag. Like over 700 days, they've been sitting there on their phone, like, oh, not yet, <laughs> yeah, wait, not yet, it's not yet. And then, yeah, boom, yeah, yeah, October 23, get no that way, tweet actually. out there. Like, yeah. How is it that suddenly, like, yeah, tears, like, somebody must be trolling? That's been dredged from somewhere because that doesn't come across your timeline algorithm randomly from 2021. That's yeah, true. we know X or Twitter is a bit gl very glitchy at the moment, but yeah. I'm seeing tweets from the same year, at least, like, not right. before that. But, uh, something yeah. something's up, isn't it's it? Big, the people have too much time. Yeah, but then I get a life, right? <laughs> get a life, but also it also undermines things in another way, which is that this is how pathetic the outrage is that you're gonna you're having to look at examples from that long ago yeah, to get angry like, about. That's not again. You don't need to use this in your argument. Like this is not. Right. It doesn't need to be in the debate. You can scroll yeah. past that. You can ignore it. You can forget it happened. You can have a cob on that you didn't win the Doctor of the Week award. Like, that's fine, but that's personal. And just keep that bottled up inside. We don't need to 
hear about that because what is it adding like I just don't it's and then it's just like people and and I'm not saying like I'm not immune to this but people like just love to jump on a bandwagon don't they and it's just I sometimes want people to like just have a little think about what you're either commenting on or what you're getting swept up with because I think things from two years ago are probably a bit less probably shouldn't be taking up this much of your mental well-being probably I don't think so. like it's no. you know not a certificate yeah. of the week from yeah that's been like create, created with ago. word art and stuff yeah, yeah, do you yeah know what exactly. i mean on microsoft yeah, paint yeah yeah it's a Literally some consultant has printed off at home yeah on the like, kind of home computer yeah. printer and be like here you go yeah. which is like absolutely it was worthless then it's even more worthless exactly. now. Yeah. And also um, I just realized and... that would have been like in COVID as well. And I think I would have just felt incredibly I think if someone presented that to me, I'd be like, Jogon. Like, have you yeah, seen exactly. what we're living in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a joke. I don't know. The thing is though, it is definitely really at the forefront of some people's minds. That's all they can think about. Yeah. I saw a tweet today which was from an anesthetist who was saying, My son who's an F2 wants to do cardiology. And the application form is very competitive. And I had that feeling when I I was applying for my like number thinking like you get points for having done formal teaching and leading like an international Mm. bloody kind of setting up and delivering teaching to the world and need an Olympic medal and all this kind of stuff. And then someone applied being like, yes, but TAs are doing tavies and it's not. To be fair, someone used that excuse in our office today and I was just like, but excuse my language. But no, funny enough on the IM, like I saw that tweet as well and I didn't see the PA kind of comment to it afterwards. But I did, I remember remember thinking that how things are, like PAs aside, things are so wildly different now. And I've mentioned previously, I would, I was shocked as anything that I got a neurosurgery number in 2014 when I did, but... I definitely wouldn't get that now. And there was, when I was working in Jerry's, I was working with an F4 doctor and she was wanting to do Jerry's and she was like shit hot. She was a brilliant Mm. doctor, brilliant medic. She'd obviously chose to not go straight into training after F2 and was worked in a couple of Jerry's trying to get her portfolio up. And she was just like Mm. clinically really good, lovely person, Welsh as well. So Mm. obviously like top of the best. And she, she applied for IMT and didn't get a job and she literally only got a job remotely not where she wanted to but remotely in the north of England like on the fifth round and it made me realize because I remember when I when it used to be CMT like anyone could apply and pretty much like you'd get a number somewhere I hadn't eight nine years ago I didn't wasn't really hearing of anyone if you applied for it, you just, you did the interview and stuff, but it wasn't mass. People obviously drop out, but you weren't having to go to the fifth or sixth round to get jobs. Yeah. I think there were that many rounds. Yeah. And I realize but... now it's just, things are very different. Yeah. What do you think's happened then? You'll get some people on Reddit who'll be like, oh, it's all because of IMGs, but I don't oh, think I that's... hate that. Is that no. the explanation? It's no, like, and it's more, I think it's on? more to do with people have taken... People collectively will take time out. And I do wonder if there's a bit of a, not a panic, but it is a bit of a worry now with the way like things are. And people are maybe thinking about all getting into training at the same time. We do also know that medical school places are being expanded like slowly year on year anyway, let alone these dog whistles from the government about expanding places in the future. They are expanding, but it feels training places are not expanding because the money is just not coming 
from government to to fill those places. But also it's the application process now. A lot in COVID, a lot of interviews were removed. So for GP, for example, all you have to do, and I think it was the same for psych, anesthetics, you just had to do the application and then the SRA exam. And all kind of specialties have like pushed this exam now for oral applications. Oh, yeah. People are applying to numerous specialties. Like when I applied for, for GP, I, I applied for psych at the same time. So, do you know, right. I've done that myself, but people would apply to GP, yeah. anesthetics, core surgical training, INT. Yeah. Um, and so those people would get offers, but then decline them because they've had an offer from okay. another program. So it's multifactorial, but this racist trope that we see on Reddit all the time about IMG doctors taking IMGs. our jobs jobs is really not the one yeah totally and i yeah i obviously have talked to death about that not because i'm an img but i can just see the unfairness of the arguments that are there which are like along the lines of one thing they say is they're not as good and then my argument then is that if you're if they're not as good why do you feel so threatened by them yeah. if they're getting jobs like how are they getting jobs over you yeah and there's gotta be a reason <laughs> isn't it yeah yeah and then secondly, they go, oh, no, they need to have spent time in the NHS before they can apply. And I'm like, what is it that you expect is going to happen? But what also they do. I've met loads of IMG doctors that have come and are practically like working for free because they're, yes. they want to apply for like in the UK. So the, yeah. like people who have trained abroad, are lit- like they are not work- walking into jobs. They're having a much harder time than we do coming out of medical school and going straight into F1, even if it's somewhere that we don't want to be. It's just that, like, why do people think, I don't know, it's like the whole, like, UK mentality, Brexit mentality, isn't it? But we should know better. That's the thing. And that's what I find so disappointing about it, because I think I always just feel, like, perpetually surprised that people don't have that kind of critical appraisal, like, the ability to hold a few different ideas in their head at the same time. Yeah, like, it is possible to have two thoughts, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet. And these guys are like, oh, can't you see? And it's, if you just, it doesn't hold up to any examination. No, it doesn't. The evidence is out there. God. Yeah. Anyway, so I think we've covered. Is that the end the of the episode PA now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we're done. We yeah, should probably just stop there. So, so I guess moving on from like whether PAs, their role and stuff, there was a quote you copied in from Seresha John who said, quote of the day from one of the midwives Can the anesthetist prescribe or do we need to get one of the doctors to do it? We, I've heard this quite a few times. I, I don't think I've ever come across this myself, but I've seen on Twitter where like anaesthetists are sometimes referred to as like a separate category from doctors. Yeah. People not realizing that they are doctors. And I just, and I think, where does that come from? Because I would, that never yeah. even crossed my mind, but I'd be kind they... of peed if that was me. <laughs> I'd, be like, yeah, yeah, me too. I'd be like, go get the doctors to well, do it. Yeah. I, I can't, no, I can't do that. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so do they think, are they mistaking them for ODPs or why are they not? Think, I wonder what they think their training room they is then. They purely like. the gas board. That's what they, yeah, yeah you don't yeah, need a medical. Enough. They just come. Yeah, yeah exactly, it, 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 it tickled me. Yeah, because yeah, if I was that anaesthetist, I'd be like, no, yeah, you're right. I can't prescribe that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, actually. Yeah, yeah. you want to encourage stuff like that because then you get more kind of. I'd spread that message for my anaesthetic. Uh, colleagues. Uh, yeah. 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 That's a clever way to spin it. I like that. Yeah. Always um, thinking. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Do you want? Uh, do you want to tell us about the next one? Yeah, this I love this because actually this was said to me today, and I'm like really re- relishing oh, this. Wait. Yeah, this was a tweet by Kavik K A V E H M D, who's an American doctor who's also got a podcast. I think their Twitter handle is at the House of Pod, and his tweet said, "You never know when you'll hear you look too young to be a doctor for the last time." 
So appreciate it whilst you can. So I heard this today. Yes, the patient did have dementia, but I'm taking it. Take it. Because when they were asking me about what I was and I was trying to explain that I'm a GP trainee, but I'm working inside, blah, blah, blah. And, and they said, so they asked me something. I said, oh, I moved to Liverpool 10 years ago when I qualified as a doctor. And then, oh, take, you've been a doctor. You don't look old enough. But I was like, correct wow. answer. Thank you so much. Yeah. Nice. Kevin follows up with saying it goes straight from that to ancients, no in between. Oh, that's and that's harsh, how yeah. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't that long ago. I remember when I was like getting up, when I was work, started working at Norwich and someone was like, oh, are you one of the new SHOs? I'd be like, oh, really? But nobody does that now. Yeah. Like literally, I, I saw, someone put a kind of tweet in the Reg WhatsApp group being like, oh, one of the nurses was talking about one of the new cardiology registrars and said the big one with either short or balding hair. And, and they were like, guess who they were talking about? And everyone oh, was like, Rusha, Darusha, Darusha. Oh, 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 mate, that's mean. Yeah. Colors, yeah, but it's Colors strange because a lot of my GP trainee colleagues now, I'm like almost 10 years older than a lot of them who've come in from F2 and stuff. And I've just felt that very acutely and I don't know why. And I think we are like, obviously in neurosurgery, I was like the same age as a lot of my colleagues. And then now I'm yeah. that older person. And there's, I feel like whenever we have like regional teaching, there's like a small cohort of us who've done other things, whether it was right. before medicine or in medicine. And we're all, I think we're like the grumpy old table. And it's yeah. so funny because I feel like we're the elders yeah. sometimes because yeah. the younger trainees will sometimes come to us and ask us for things. And I think we, we're not reps of any sort, but it's just because we've got a few, we just look haggard. People are like, oh, they've lived life. They'll know what to do. <laughs> and then it's just, seen some stuff. and I quite like being in that like older position, but then also sometimes I feel it really acutely when I'm like, they're talking about something like, and I'm just like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Is speaking young. Yeah. <laughs> you these you, days. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like I was trying to relate with a junior doctor and then found out that kind of, I started medical school when she was like four years old and oh, it is tricky. It's hard. Womp, you can't womp. come back from that. I'm a bit like, oh, can I even, should I even really be talking to you? There should yeah. be. Like, yeah. There's some rules a, against that. Cause, yeah, yeah. This is yeah, a bit, yeah. I don't know. And. It's funny because I remember thinking like that of the postgrad, like when I was an undergrad and being like, you'd have the kind of the, the, the mature students and stuff yeah. and they have their own kind of like mature clique and thinking, yeah. oh, and like how, I don't know, I was thinking to myself, oh, we must seem so mature to you yeah. guys. And they were like, yes, yeah, you, you do. And now being that kind of like, yeah, older person. I there think, you go. I think like in school, I used to like always look up to like people in the years above me and think like they were. Not cool, but there was something about them. And then I felt I was thinking, oh, I wonder if people like think that about younger, more junior doctors think that about like us that have been around the block a few times. I'm like, no, I think they they, they really don't. They're just like, okay, boomer, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, times yeah. have changed. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. The next tweet from Dr. Drew. Oh my God. Next, next week. We need to get I him think, on in person, we don't we? Yeah. Either that or we just ban him all right. Yeah. You know, what episode Can't keep without. writing him yeah. for content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it drives me mad when clinicians engage in referral rejection for pointless reasons. Recently had to deal with a referral rejection from another service in the same hospital. Referral doesn't include ward telephone number. There are three correct ward numbers on induction. This is a specialty that my current specialty refers to regularly. They could consult any of the other referrals or go through switch. It wasn't even my referral, but I had to redo it. A pointless waste of a doctor's time. 
Should the number have been included? Yes. Was this an absolutely terrible reason for a clinician to reject a referral in the circumstances? Also, yes. Hard to disagree with that. Also, you think this is bad. Come to GP. Oh, my God. Yeah. This happens. If, you're, if the wrong version of the form is filled in or you've missed the box that says, are there any safeguarding concerns or you've not put the BMI in, literally admin instantly refused. Yes, and I saw tweets from our friend Jamie Shenanigans Sherrington right. the other day who was asking about like most GP forms to specialties ask for the BMI and, and he's like, why? What does it add? Yeah. And it does sometimes feel like it's another reason for people to just reject things. Like it just, yeah. it's without even looking at the clinical content. It's, yeah, you can't argue with that message. Like it's really annoying. It's true. From what you said though, just expanding on that, Jacob DeWolf gave it a name. He goes, it's called deflective practice. Overstretched teams will do anything they can to d reduce their workload. But you just kick the can down the road. Yeah. Because you know that form is going to come back, don't you? Yeah. I love these terms that people like invent. Like just, yeah, that's deflective practice. It's the whole defensive like the medicine German thing. Word. Yeah, yes, exactly. There's always a German word for something, isn't it? Yeah, I like yeah, this. Yeah, there must be a German word for it yeah. as well. You're right. Yeah. Oh gosh, some news that probably should have been higher up about the junior doctors. So the BMA, uh, the junior doctors committee have been having productive talks with mm. see. I am going to, I am going to disagree and say it shouldn't have been higher up. I feel like it should be even lower down. Mm. I'm just not filled with oh any hope whatsoever. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just an absolute miser, but I don't know. I, I've just I've got no hope whatsoever. I've heard though that somewhere... Well, I could be wrong, so please correct me. That they've agreed in principle a ten percent pay rise, which oh, is an I advance of the form. This no, yeah, I had heard that, and they had, and so the talks are ongoing. But they said crucially, we are we do still have a mandate to strike, and therefore we'll continue to do so until our demands are met. Um, I didn't see that. Is it that they are? Is it that they are lulling us into some things to avoid strike action over? Christmas and then are they then after Christmas going to then be like uh, and then not yeah you're through right with that but because I saw Andreas at, at has your edge tried tweeted oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and said so he quote tweeted and he said is anyone else quietly optimistic and he tweeted this quote from so it must have been the BMA and he said the, the 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 quote said we met with the government today the meeting was productive we have agreed to meet again we have also stressed that for these talks to be meaningful, we need to see rapid progress. Thanks to the incredible renewed mandate you delivered in August, we retain the right it. to strike. That's that one. Um, and it's like, and it does sound good, but I just think, look at what happened in 2016. And I don't know, I feel like we've just been burned so many times. They can't be trusted, can they? Yeah. And, and, and they keep saying that we are not talking about pay. So what is that? What are, what is being discussed then? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I will more than happily be proved wrong i really hope that that's all that's what we want isn't it it's mm. just as you say we've been hurt so many times before don't know how to trust this government mm. but obviously we could fully support the strikes and stuff yeah. it's just that we don't have a lot of faith in this government essentially mm. yeah okay moving on <laughs> everyone everyone start. just everyone yeah. gps versus everyone God. God. yeah i like so, this yeah so we're going to start on the other side aren't we? no we are going to start on this in support of GPs. There's a story, a oh, supportive one. Yes, always. Present company. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah obviously. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Yeah. So do you want to read Matthew Evans' story? He's a Welsh person. He so. is, and he's all neuro and yes, which we like. Yeah, so this again, so the original quote tweet has been deleted for probably good reason, but there was some sort of weird shiz happening this week about <laughs> A&E consultants kind of implying that doctors were already paid enough and someone piped in and said GPs are not are overpaid for the little work that they do. So yeah, thanks for that insight. In kind of response to that, Matthew Evans, who's a neurosurgery registrar, sorry, a neurology registrar, shared his story. So he said, I want to share a story that happened recently that explains why this sort of trope makes me so angry. The trope, obviously, GPs are pants. So he says, I was called about a patient who had gone round the houses trying to get a diagnosis. Eventually, a physio called saying they thought he had a neurological condition. The GP had a feeling that something worrying was happening and had persisted in referring to three different outpatient medical and surgical services by the time they were seen by that physio. Based on the clinical information, this patient needed urgently admitting to hospital, as was high risk in the community. The patient refused admission when the physio suggested it, and I called the patient and she still refused to come in after I explained she was at high risk of having fatal complications in case she came in, unless she came in urgently to be admitted. Eventually, I called the GP who was extremely relieved that we potentially had an answer for this patient she had been worried about for months and said, right, I'm walking around there now and she'll be in an ambulance within the hour. And she was. We admitted her that afternoon. GPs are worth their weight in gold. The level of uncertainty and worry they deal with is insane. Absolutely is. And many really go the extra mile for their patients. The breadth of knowledge they have to have is unenviable. Yes. Spot on. Yeah. It's interesting to see that it encapsulates various different kind of failures, right? Mm -hmm. So like they mentioned how difficult it was to get access to certain services. So they'd be referred to several different ones. And then, of course, at the same time, I guess the patient d declined admission. And that's often because they feel they recognize that the process is stunted and look and they're not, it's going to be like fought with lots of waiting, probably not going to get a bed like. And you know that part well where you just Sweet. not give up, but you're just a bit like, so I've tried to sort this out. No one's taking me on. Yeah. What's the point? And it's like that. And now you want to rush me in. Like, yeah. You're like, ah, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not doing it. So I do understand like that poor patient. Yeah. Yeah. This is really a great anecdote. I'll yeah. Just it's a good story, you have that retweet. You have that retweet, Dr. Evans. Okay. So that's great. So uh, GPs are worth their weight in gold. But then there was like <laughs> this GP that was a bit. Uh, yeah. Let's ignore that guy. <laughs> yeah, let's ignore that guy. And let's focus on the guy that really annoyed me. There was, so I copied in the reply by Jim Crawford. Yeah, but no, uh, go for the problem. Go for the GP. Go for the GP, yeah. 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 We the have GP. to take the bad with the good. GPs, yeah, yes. for the sake of balance, yeah. that's why I'm here. So <laughs> I won't say his name. He goes, on duty at my GP co-op. That's handy. Mid-50s <laughs> man, attends with forehead laceration. Seen, sutured and discharged. 22 minutes. Nice. 22 mm, minutes. Wow. Why were you timing yourself suturing? Weird. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes being far. Anyway. <laughs> so if he attended, so he goes, we see the same numbers as local ED. Do you though? If he attended ED. I don't know. Who knows? But he didn't put the numbers there though, did he? He just said same numbers. Bit mm. vague. As local ED. If he attended ED, it takes hours. Sad face. Embarrassed face. Question mark. Why? Space question mark. That's such a prover thing. The space, the punctuation mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. God, he's like typing with one finger, like don't space bar, like hitting it really angrily. Like, he didn't do the space bar learning. That's what e learning. Yeah, that's what. That's, 
but That's but true. yeah and it's come on like why are you saying that what why are you having a why are you self-gratifying in that oh i can suture a head laceration as a gp in 22 minutes and having such a shady dig like that you see the same numbers as locally d well you don't because yeah. your appointments are appointments like once they're booked you should just say no more, whereas ED literally can't close the doors. That's just constant. You can't really compare those things, Yeah, can you? So Jim Caldford does a nice summary, which is size of queue, availability of space, staffing levels, prioritization, rightly, of stabilizing the seriously sick ahead of quick turnaround yes. of those who are well enough to wait. Same numbers does not equal same workload, face palm. But you know um, what, Tharusha, I would appreciate if you just got that head laceration in and sutured it within 20 minutes and then that aortic oh dissection can just wait a little bit longer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's, oh that would be great. Thanks. No one wants to see me suturing anyone's forehead. That's best <laughs> left for the experts in ED and GP. Just not cardiology, yeah. <laughs> just not cardiology, yeah. I'm sure there'll be... That's like an ongoing thing, isn't it? To GP and not to GP and to cuss GPs or to not cuss GPs. Yeah. So there's always plenty of fun. Yeah. We'll that. always be the best of something. Getting the used to us. Yeah. Getting used to nice it. Nice one. Service. Speaking of butts, round. Yeah. So there's a tweet from at Trauma Soapboxes and said, rounded on a patient once. And when we asked if he pooped yet today, he asked us if we had pooped yet today. And the entire team answered him honestly if we had. And Good, man. think that was awesome. Yeah, it's well, a very, it's a very, it's, normalize. Yeah, it's a very personal question, and I'm as we talk about it all the time. Obviously, it's not personal to us. We have constant discussions about our gut motility, no. but sharing's caring and all that. But but yeah, you realise you're on a ward round. Those curtains are not soundproof, and I just think if we ask a oh, patient yeah, that, let's ask it back, man. I quite like that. Yeah, but it's like that. Yeah, it's um, true. It's like that realization I have sometimes. You know, when uh, like when you're on ward cover or something, and a nurse will ring you, and they'd be like, "Oh, doctor, this person's musing, whatever," because. They've only had that 300 in today and they're tachycardic and they're not, they've not PU'd. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I've had when zero awesome. mils in and yeah. my muse is probably like currently higher. But yeah, yeah. it's just that, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I quite like that guy who's just going, you pooped. Yeah, yeah it's true. I imagine if they measured, did you and muse at the time of that telephone call, your blood pressure would be high, your pulse yeah. would be fast, your respiratory would be high. So you probably yeah. would be using, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it... One of the things I do love and did all, I think I realized, I think I realized inadvertently as an F1 was how amazing it was to be able to ask these really peculiar, intrusive questions yeah. in a kind of conversational style and have not, and someone not be like, why are you asking? Like, they'd, yeah. be, they'd like be like, there must be an important reason to why this person is asking. Yeah, the to, trust, you know, what color my like, yeah. yeah, not just for yeah, giggles. Yeah, you're not yeah, giving exactly. a diary. <laughs> exactly. What color is your That's another wearing? tick for yellow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does it smell of <laughs> Was it hard to flush? And they're like, okay, why are you asking me that one? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't it speak to amazing privilege? It and does, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What have we got to hide? What and it, it makes me realise like how bad we are in terms of our own health. Because when I had, had to have an OGD for the whole celiac thing and mm. the only time I could get it scheduled was like after a neurosurgery reg night shift. And right. I knew I was God. having sedation and stuff. So I was like, well, I really hope this night shift is like chill so I can yeah. just, it was the hospital across the road. I was going to go straight there, get my OGD, get my sedation, get a lift home and like sleep all day. And, and I, it was a manic night. I was operating all night and I literally finished the, the day reg came in to take over from me 
And I literally got dressed and went straight to this appointment. Oh, and they did my obs and they were like, you can't have an OGD today. And I was like, why? Because I was like, muse of five. And I was like, no, I was like, I've literally, I've just been operating all night. I said, I literally, I've just finished like work 20 minutes ago. And they were like, oh, but why are you here? what? And I said, no. And then, but then you realize, I was thinking like, how are our bodies are under so much stress? Like, yeah. like you say on a night shift or an emergency, that adrenaline. And I was like, that's good yeah. for us. It's yeah. not. And we just take that as that's just By the way it Salabi. is. Yeah. And then anyone else in a different capacity, that's suddenly a cause for concern or whatever. Right. But that's really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously they talk about people who do night shifts, like night shift workers. And just the simple fact of working at night mm. increases inflammation. And then if yes, you factor in the number risk, of... The am- yeah. Right? And then the amount of duress that you're under yeah. during that night shift. Yeah, yeah it's true, actually. Yeah, Basically, nothing um, should happen at night. No one should be sick. The whole world should just shut me. down. Yeah. We will all live longer. That's the end of that. Let me sleep. Yes, God, God damn, damn it. it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, I go into nights this weekend. So, so fingers, people are thinking, of, actually, by the time people are listening to this, I will be, so it goes out midnight, Sunday night. So I'll be half, yeah, I'll be halfway through my last, my third. May your muse be less than seven at all times, Therusha. I wish you you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank (laughs) you. So speaking of that, Noodles is a a tweet saying, successful thrombolysis is the closest thing to magic in medicine. So I might start answering my phone calls with this sentence. Yes, like that imparted wisdom. I, I like Have that. Have you considered yes. thrombolysis? It's the closest thing a, to magic. Be a magician. Medicine. Be a magician. Exactly. Exactly. Can you, there's, there's some funny replies to this, but can you think of examples of things that seem somewhat miraculous in medicine? Yeah, my favourite is, is it SVT? head in the bucket of ice water oh. i love that and i know you can do like a vasalva on a syringe but i'm like that's not yeah nowhere near as like cool. graphic enough yeah like I, I like the thought of just like someone coming <laughs> oh, yeah like ducking apples yeah rubbing their head down and i quite like that and i think if you were to say that to someone who's not in healthcare, yeah. that's a thing they'd be like as now. if you should be locked yeah, up yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah fair enough yeah i do think there have been times where I guess FCTs are quite, can be quite, what's the word, gratifying because of denazine or whatever. And people are like, oh, yeah. and it would be cool to come down as a cardiology regime, like come down to A&E and just give that and yeah. cardio that. And then you're like, yeah, they can go home. But there are a few other examples. It doesn't have to, I don't it doesn't have to be cardiology flavored. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking about other ones. And one of the ones I think is one of the events, magic may be a strong word, but when someone goes into like retention and you put a catheter oh, on, yeah. I swear, like the way they look is almost orgasmic. Yeah, it is. It's palpable, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Palpable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I was on, again, neurosurgery reg night and a guy had elective surgery in the day and he'd had some genital issues previously and wasn't, they couldn't catheterize him at the time. And so they didn't catheterize right. him and they were just, oh, we'll just monitor his urine output and then. I came on shift at the night and a couple of hours into the shift, he still hadn't passed urine. And I got this call and the SHO mm-hmm. was like, was a neurology SHO. And they were like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. That needs to go to the reg. And someone was what? just, I was like, I don't, he had a massive bladder, bladder scan was showing like over a litre. None of us could get a catheter in. And I rang up urology and they were like, oh, we've already gone home. We're not on call. Do you mind just like sticking a spinal needle super pubically? And I was just mm. like, sorry, what? 
And he was like, yeah, just feel for the symphysis and go just stick a spinal needle in. And I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I would just appreciate this guy, get a catheter and can someone come? No, not, not coming. And I just came to this man with a massive needle and I was like, look, I am really sorry, but this is the option I have for you right now. I said, I'm happy to keep trying to catheterize, but I'm causing trauma. Like, can I just stick this needle in your abdomen? And he was like, please just do it. God. And I just remember thinking the instant as this started like pouring out and the in- I was like, I've got a-, a massive needle in this guy's belly, which must have been yeah. gruesome as hell. And he's, oh my yeah. God, thank you. And he's just that euphoric. And I was just thought, I just kept going, oh, I'm so heart. sorry. I'm so sorry. And he was like, why are you sorry? <laughs> and I was like, because this is barbaric. But I'll never forget like that instant relief as it started to like offload. Gosh. He was, he must have been in agony. Um, but like you say, that retention, just, I just hope never have to experience that. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Mm. Uh, worse than childbirth, probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. isn't it? Men and things. Men, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. men. <laughs> well, I was going to think, oh, there are any other examples? And I'm like, oh, I guess people with tension pneumothoraces. Actually, this is like a good one. Something. So someone just said, no anesthesia is magic and you know what if I think too much about it I just start getting like really panicky because I'm like how can someone be awake and then you give them something and then they're not but then they have to yeah Yeah. and then you wake them up and they have no recollection if I start yeah that's true going down that rabbit hole I start getting really like anxious I'm like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. How can it be? You shouldn't have that kind of talent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and the blood is wielding like, yeah. that. How can your mind be like online and then not be dead, but be offline? Right. Yeah. That's true. Oh my God. They are wizards. Anesthetists yeah. aren't doctors. Oh. They are wizards. They're like the Sandman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kudos. Much better than G. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so there's a tweet from Dr. Soli that said, one of my least favorite things in the NHS is people see seeing in increasingly senior people when they don't get the response they want. You can tag in Pope.Francis at Vatican.NHS.UK, my friend. But it's still going to be a no. Now, this actually happens on Twitter, right? Not just with the GMC, but I've had this happen The, the Anon's like a nice are, little tag yeah, as well, don't they? Yeah. I'm like, why'd you do that? I'm going to send it's an like, email to that. Tagging. I'm going to send an email to Pope.Francis at Vatican.NHS.UK and see what I get back. Oh my God, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, is you the Pope? <laughs> and uh, will, will you do my night shift tonight? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, I'll say a prayer for you. He'd be like, sorry, who does? Yeah, pray for me, please. Which I think, is, who does that? And it's a what, special who, type who of like, snitch. Yeah. No, no, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, and that's snitch it. And it's just, it's all I'm telling my dad on you. It's that kind of, yeah, like, yeah, until you get the answer you want, you're just going to keep telling on people. Sometimes I get secretaries, if they want you to do a bit of work, particularly if they want to be responded to fast, they'll copy in the consultants yeah. and be like, you haven't authorized this letter. And I'd be like, yes, that's because you decided to write it up on a Friday afternoon. And then yeah. I went on to an And then I went and night, had a life so... for two days. Yeah, but sorry about that. My, yeah. my favorite was as the neurosurgery read John Call and certain pissy consultants in other specialties and other hospitals thinking that they knew better that when a neurosurgery patient needed to be admitted or not. And the SHO would ring and I'd be like, oh no, this is the advice. Contact us once the scan is done or whatever. And then guaranteed within about 30 minutes, another call would come through and it'd be like, oh, I believe you've taken a referral for so-and-so. I'm the consultant today. And it was just that automatically, oh, I'm the consultant. Oh, if I speak to the red John call, they'll, and you'd be like, oh, I, I trust that you'll take this patient. And I'm like, no, my answer 
is still the same because that's actually what's are not being difficult. Like that's actually the specialist advice and that's in the patient's best interest. But it was like, oh, no, no, but I'm the consultant. I'm Dr. So. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm Miss John. Sure. Nice to meet you. But still, no. But it was that automatic assumption of the male consultant being like, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll, don't worry. The SHO can't get the patient across. I'll do it. I'll deal with it. And it's, yeah, I'll jiffy this along. Yeah. I mean, it just I'll like, smooth it over. It doesn't work like that anymore, my friend. But thanks for trying. Yeah. I think, like, I found those conversations really difficult when you get the consultant calling because you'd know. The thing is that they'd say, I'm the consultant, but really what they're saying is implicit, isn't it? Mm. I'm the consultant. So if you now, if you resist, now there's a risk, there's like you're in jeopardy because I can frame this conversation as you being rude or you being difficult, you being obstructive. And, and suddenly, yeah, the, what's your name? What's yes. user educational? You're like, how far away in this conversation are we from it becoming yeah. that? And I used to hate that. And so then yeah. if it happened, I'd, I'd, then I realized that one of the things that I should do in that situation, because either, either you capitulate and then you get bollocked from your yeah. consultant, or you can just be like, look, I feel really strongly about it. I think you should just speak to the consultant on call. Yeah. And for the vast majority of people, I think I'd just redress things. You give them the name of the consultant, whatever. But you get some people. And I remember one particular asshole who was like, I don't want to speak to the consultant. I'm speaking to you about it. It's a cardiology problem. Literally, and she was being such a dick. Yeah. And I remember just, and then because I wanted, essentially what I wanted to do was extricate myself from that situation because I'd already given my advice and no amount of hair kind of like weighing in and it would make me change my mm. the advice because the advice wasn't based on like feelings. It was yeah. based upon the information and she didn't have anything to offer that would change that information. Exactly. The information was still the same. Yeah. So and but she wouldn't let me leave the conversation. It was very difficult then. Yeah. And I found it quite hard to and then so what I said was these are the names of the consultant. I need to go. I need to end this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'll get the and then I said I'll literally I'll get the consultant to call you back. And then hung up. Yeah. And then called the consultant. But I just I think there are some people who get off. Oh to totally. Like, and like you say it becomes that emotional kind of vendetta then rather than actually you know that there is no clinical need for us to do x y or z but it becomes just a fight that somebody needs to win and it's funny what you're saying because like you say even though it's not said implicitly like there is a hidden meaning when they say can I just take your name and I used to have this response like to a t I'd be like yeah it's Miss Beth and John Bravo Echo Tango Hotel Alpha November Juliet Oscar Hotel November GMC number 740894 oh, yeah, yeah. and I would literally be I said did you get all that or do you need me to repeat it and then I I found that would be equally as disarming sometimes because it was I like yeah. no I'm feel free because I'm not changing my mind but what I will say about where I worked was that the neurosurgery consultants were like really supportive in those kind of things because they trusted that right. we were making like a good decision. We weren't making the decisions that we were to be difficult, which is what people think about neurosurgery. But it was that and they would support us. And I think there was any aggro because we used to get it all the time. Like people would complain about us just because we weren't accepting a patient. The consultants would have our back and be like, no, like it's coming from me now. You're, yeah. This is not happening. And then suddenly they'd back down and it's such a shame that it just has to get to that point to... Right. You have to feel like it has to get to... To go above, Someone having yeah. to defend you. Yeah. yeah, true. I don't know. But the thing, yeah, it's true. I'd find that in the last hospital that I was at, I would also feel that way that my consultant would back the decisions that I made. Um, but you could still be framed, obviously you could still be framed in a particular way mm. by the characterised in a particular way. 
And, but the interesting thing was, is that it's always like the same people who are behaving that way. And I'm, I get that the consultants must see that it's the same people who are making the complaints about. And I remember going to the Reg Group and being like, this is one of the Respiratory Consultants in Norwich. And I had a really difficult kind of conversation with her. And then, and they'd be like, oh yeah. And then suddenly everyone piping up with, yeah, she's horrible. Yeah. And so then, isn't it? Yeah. I, it is. I, but then it kind of makes you wonder, but then is there any point in complaining about them? Well, no, they're already consultant. Like how difficult is it? Like, and how much kind of difference can you make? And also I suspect they get very good at saying stuff that isn't, yeah. or isn't uh, pure abuse. It's yeah. not like swearing at exactly. you. Exactly. It's, it's just calculated yes. demeaning. It's just about demeaning enough to, to ruin to your day. Yeah, totally. Or to and ruin the next. The meaning is not, is there's not, it's not like up for debate, is it? You know exactly, but it's because the words yeah. used, it's not explicitly that you can say, oh, this person was abusive in the way they said X, Y, or Z. And it's just, it's almost a bit gaslighty, isn't it? Because you start second guessing. Mm. But what I used to be relieved about in neurosurgery, it was at one point, because of the volume of referrals was too great. There was like a referral coordinator. So they were like an administrative person who would be with the reg on call at in the reg's office. And they would oh, wow. start logging some of the calls whilst we were dealing with them. So we could like, two-prong approach but it meant that you had Mm. a witness so because it was a real fear like you say that the way sometimes consultants will escalate things and make you out to be like you were being you know obstructive and stuff and absolutely and it just helped so many times because I had one consultant say to my consultant that I swore at him on the phone and I genuinely had and um and he said something. He said, oh, she said this. And I said, that's not something I'd even say. Was it my accent? Was it the phone line? And he was saying, no, she swore at me. She swore. And then it, luckily, the other people in the office were like, we were there. She definitely didn't say that. But then I was thinking, if no one else witnessed that. Yeah, then what are you going to do? It's your word They're going to believe a male consultant. I just had that feeling. I was like, at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just, it's just dirty, isn't it? That, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a cathartic vent. Ha- <laughs> no, good. Leave that off my please. chest, yeah. Fair enough. I like had, so I made a suggestion to like the, because like every so often you get these emails from like the wellbeing service being like, do you have any suggestions for how we can like challenge bullying and harassment and stuff? And I remember seeing on Twitter, there was this thing where if someone was being horrible in a telephone call team, you could divert the call to this thing. with basically this voice box that would say, this call, this telephone number has now been logged. You've been diverted to this voicemail box because the person on the other end has felt um, threatened and intimidated by your manner. Please reconsider your behavior and not call that person. And it's just like that kind of message. And I thought it was nice because it's a passive way of just being like, boop. Yeah, it's quite disarming, isn't it? You're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah, done. And so then you don't have to tell them that. Because I used to find that was... A difficult thing to do yeah and and so i suggested it and they're like oh yeah but and then they were like oh but we wouldn't know how to do it and then i then started to contact it and whatever yeah and they were like oh yeah we could do that uh we just need to like manage it sign off business on it. case and or something. Back, yeah yeah literally yeah but they need to sign off on it and i don't think they said it would cost money because they said that they had technology to do it yeah and then i went back and they're like oh no we've decided to support other things oh. And I just thought that sums up NHS. It's all like, for show. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, give us the suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't think of that. So no, yeah. we're not going to do that one. We're not going to go with that one. We're just going to go with what we already thought. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, at my induction, at my new job, one of the bosses said, look, if you get called more than once about a patient, 
that you've already given advice on, that course should just go to the consultant. And that stuck with me because I'm like, that's what I want to say. The Bostons have said yeah. that if there's more than one conversation about a patient, it needs to go to the consultant and then bosh, yeah. that's it. You know, I like that. I we had something similar in, in my previous Ops and Gynae job recently. Because the ops, like on a, we had like a maternity A&E essentially that was for an A&E for anyone who's over 20 weeks pregnant. And sometimes you would be like the only doctor covering that as a GP trainee, not a specialist trainee. It was so daunting. And there were so many things that I just thought, oh, it was just pure panic, like all shift for me on Mm. those days. And there was this like SOP that said, if a pregnant woman came with a particular set of symptoms more than like twice or whatever in a certain time frame they automatically had to go straight for senior review and that was just Hmm. not comforting but it was like I felt like there was a backup plan because there were times where people uh, did come in and a colleague of mine another GP trainee had seen them two days ago they came back in I had nothing further to add and I was just like I'm out of my depth here but then the midwives were so good because they were just they just knew this SOP like the back of their hand and it would flag that they'd come with reduced movements. So it would go straight on the board automatically as a senior review. And it was like, OK, that person's going to be seen like I'm OK. It was just that. And again, then it's like saying to the patient, like, this is what we do here. You've come back. You're going to see, you know, whatever. And it's like comforting on both sides, I think, isn't it? And for mm-hmm. for, for yourself you know that you can escalate that you've got that green light and the referrer is also then thinking oh I'm going to speak to someone else and that's fine so yeah yeah absolutely. it's good to have those kind of mechanisms in place yeah I think that kind of mechanism is thoughtful in a sense that it gives people yeah as you say it gives you like an out in terms of and also it just solutions isn't it where often what tends to happen is just people getting bounced back and forth which is not really what which is not what you want so there was a tweet. I was, I guess, I guess this is a subtweet, but there was a tweet from Zach Ferguson. He said, I do wonder whether there have been any cases where patients have come to harm because they've delayed seeking medical attention for a retained foreign body out of fear that their x-rays will be shared and mocked on social media. And then Rosie replied saying evidence may be hard to come by, but I would be interested in reading a justification of how posts like that do not contribute to stigma. And we do know that stigma hinders access to healthcare. So med and still one of the better things on here, but these posts are not. And I, do you know what she's referring? Do you know what they're referring to? Yes, there's a particular thing. account from. There's loads of them. A lot of them are Americans and from abroad. But there's an account by a doctor in this country also, who has suddenly taken on this. They never used to be like this, but they've mm-hmm. taken on this weird educational. I'll say educational loosely, persona, and essentially they. There's loads of these accounts now and they're all jumping on this bandwagon, but they tweet like a photo from like a journal article or from Google images of a scan, an x-ray, something, a photograph, and it's all what's the diagnosis and then it gets lots and lots of engagement. And that's fine because as someone said, like FOMED is actually a really positive thing, but when it's things like this, so I think this particular tweet was essentially, it was an x-ray, which I've got, I've seen it years ago. It was in a, a, a Russell Howard he talked about this on his that show Russell Howard's Big News or whatever it was, Good News whatever it was called and it looks like essentially that someone allegedly has inserted a Buzz Lightyear toy inside their rectum and then the x-ray is just shows that so you know whether that's like a mock-up or not whatever some people still think that shit's funny but it's just this thing the bigger picture is absolutely concerning because 
people, that's really sensitive information and you can easily be identifying yourself if that's you from that, like how many people have, can say they've done that. And it, it makes a laughing stock out of people. So absolutely, I do think, oh, I would, oh, I refuse to believe that there isn't someone out there who has not sought medical help because they are worried, you know, that's going to make an appearance somewhere. Like it just happens time and time again. And I just feel like accounts like this should know better. Like what is the benefit in that? It must be like they're coming. Uh, I, I just think it was stuff like that. They're going to like really, they're so vulnerable yeah. and they can, and the amount of harm that they can come to and just taking the piss out of them for what, because you feel a bit prudish about, it, it comes from shaming, doesn't it? Like, oh, it's just, just so pathetic. I've just realised, so on the original post that we're talking about, someone's actually tagged the GMC on that. Have they? Yeah, yeah. Which is just sad how it always comes to that. But, but like, I just think the post is still there and people have called it out it? and said, this is not the first time you've posted this kind of content. There is no educational value in your tweet. Please stop humiliating patients for likes, which essentially mm. it does reek of desperation for engagement and clicks and likes and followers. If that's your thing, like fine, do it. But why to do that? And yeah, I don't know. I just expect better. We should know better. Apparently yeah. a dick in real life as well, sadly. Never unsurprising when you find out these things. So I guess we're coming up close to time, but knowing that cutting out the ums and likes will still get an extra 10 God, minutes. Doesn't fill us but... yet. <laughs> <laughs> did you want to, so did you want to put in, so there was, there were a few kind of more general ones that looked, they were interesting. I was thinking about. Let, oh, let me I do, mean, let me challenge so, you. This is, I'm going to do. Okay. Right. So I am going to, oh, actually this is going to be really easy because what I was going to do is I was going to give you famous advert slogans and then get right. you to guess them. The first one was already going to be a fail because the first one was going to be, I feel like chicken tonight. Uh, so that's obviously chicken tonight, chicken which tonight. I never tried. <laughs> and I don't even know if that's still on the market. I don't think it's on the market anymore. And we definitely did do that in our house. And I think we did the chicken show, sir. It was fine. I remember thinking actually it was quite a good thing. Like it was quite, like, I remember once having a girlfriend who made like spaghetti bolognese and making the compliment saying, oh, it's really good. It tastes just like Dolmio. And she was like, why do you, why would you say that? And I was like, oh, I thought that's like a compliment because Dolmio is like something fancy shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's we what just I thought, use chopped tomatoes in a tin, but <laughs> I, but all can it go in an air fryer? Yes or no? That's what I'm interested in. So that's the chicken tonight one. Oh, there right. was oh, what's that? What was the one for the club biscuits? There was a little tune for that. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, yeah. join our club. So that was club um, about finger licking good. KFC chicken. Oh, that was the creamiest, flakiest, tastiest chocolate, something like that. That was flake, Cadbury's oh. flake. Oh, okay. That was probably not to that <laughs> tune. I've just embellished <laughs> yeah, that, just made <laughs> up the song. Where the answer is. It oh, yeah, there? within the title. Oh, God, I'm so good at it. Okay, that. you're terrible at this. Okay, I, was, I could do it either because for some reason I seem to be. Oh, you don't, you're something when you're angry. Oh, yes, I What's know this that? one. The Snickers. Yes, what is it? Oh, you don't, what is the slogan? Oh, God, is we not that actually good? <laughs> No, you're no, not probably. you're not you when you're hungry that's it isn't it yeah 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 okay every little helps as the price and you've got to tap did we not do that anymore 
Oh, no, Tesco. Really helps, isn't Asda? Oh, Asda yes. Price was Asda, Asda Price. Price is did, did, Asda. And they used to tap the Literally, bum Literally, you keep picking ones with the name of the brand in it. This is why they work so well. It's giving me, like, proper rage. This is why they work okay. so well. What else is there? How about... Oh, this is an easy one, mate. I'm loving it. Is it? Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. McDonald's. Um, oh, that's not even a yeah. slogan. That's just a noise. No, just, was that a Justin Timberlake song? It oh, was. Actually, he's out of favor now, isn't he? Because I've got a good one. So, Brittany. Full moon. Yeah, come. Half moon. Half moon. Totally clear. Totally That was your Jaffa totally cakes, clips. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the good Jaffa cakes. Where did you get this from? Oh, iconic British. Yeah, accent. so this was a tweet. Uh, yeah, there's a good account, Very British Problems, at So Very British is the handle. And they just said, What British advertising jingle from when you were growing up lives forever in your head? And you just don't realize, I think, that there are so many. But this, uh, this account also tweeted a really good one the other day. I think it was either yesterday or, yeah, it was yesterday because I had this exact conversation. Essentially, they they just tweet about stuff that we can all relate to. And I'm just going to find this one. Oh, here you go. So this was tweeted on October 25th yesterday. And essentially, it's just a conversation that all of us had. And it goes, it was so foggy this morning. Did you get any fog? And the next person says, oh, yeah, it wasn't too bad where we are. I tell you what, it was cold, though. The other person, oh, it feels proper wintry now, doesn't it? It was freezing in the car this morning. And then the other person, oh, it's getting darker early as well. When do the clocks go back? Is it this weekend? Oh, my God. And, oh, yeah, wow. it'll be dark by tea time. Oh, it'll be Christmas before you know it. And I was like, oh, my God, I had that exact <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I didn't know he was so predictable. And he, they just said in a David Attenborough voice with, oh, don't, the two British colleagues have now finished their morning chat and can commence the working day. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my it's God, we're all just clones. So observational, we? isn't it? Yeah, this is why it works. All right, so I'm going to do a quick fire round. Okay. okay. For slogans, right? Ready? Okay. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Varnish, Ronsil. You either love it or hate it. Marmite. Good things come to those who wait. Oh, I don't know when. Skinness. Oh. Uh, oh, that's yours. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Yeah, true. Oh, God. And one more. <laughs> I've got too much, actually. Okay, let your fingers do the walking. Gosh, what's, that's gross, though. what's that? A yellow pages. Oh, the, the, the little black finger man. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's a bit wrong, isn't it? Yes. And then, okay, another one that's a bit wrong sounding now in retrospect. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Galaxy? Oh, no. close, though. Cadbury's. M&M's. M&M's. Wow. Taste the rainbow. Oh, Skittle. And, oh, oh, God, what was this one? It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, work, rest, and play. PlayStation? No. Oh, no. It's a chocolate bar. Work, rest, play. Yorkie? Do you remember Don't the Yorkie work, one? Work, rest, and play. The, oh, uh, only for men. men. Yeah, only for men. Yeah, yeah which off. is a weird one. Yeah. I think they got rid of that. Now, yeah, yeah, they did. What's the work, what? rest, play one? Is a Mars bar. Oh, did not get that. That's really old. That's. Um... Do you want to hear a really gross story about Skittles and gut motility? One of our favourite topics. I'm desperate to hear about it. My mum recounts the story very often of how she was most alarmed and took me straight to the doctor as a toddler. I must have been still in nappies at the time and apparently I'd, right. e I'd eaten some Skittles 
and said stool and said nappy was also rainbow coloured. <laughs> she was like, this is not oh right. My God. And took me straight to the doctor and was diagnosed with skittle poop. But who knew? Oh, who wow. knew? But yeah, that gets brought up often. Did they have you in and out in 22 minutes? <laughs> I had, I and... had me, my head sutured. It wasn't even lacerated, but you know what? They just did it while I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But, uh, what part yeah. of the service? Yeah, that... that must have been that you weren't chewing them because it's, to be fair, I do swallow a lot of things whole. I just don't have time to chew. God, like a, like an anaconda. So yeah, totally. Just dislocate the jaw and get Take it in. Jaw. But I have this huge fear of the dentist, and if I, if I don't chew food as much, they probably won't need right. to have a fill. Do you know what? Just oh, swallow it. Oh. But yeah, I must have just learned. And, and for years, I was not allowed oh, to have God, your DMs. And she used to say, oh, no, but the doctor said you're not, they're dangerous for you. I was like, just for me, they're not dangerous. I'll just chew them next time. So you got no, your doctor said you're never allowed to have Skittles again. Okay. Oh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there you go. A little, little bit of Skittle info for all those listeners that were invested in, in our poop stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Okay, that was a fun end. That Maybe was we good. Should, that we should do that. Like, do like a little, little quick fire round. Quick fire, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Little quiz, cool. Yeah. Thank you again for staying up late oh, to record no, this with me. Thanks for having us. It's been yeah. an honor, as always. Yeah. And thank you to whoever's listening. Um, if there is anyone listening, that's just not If there's us anyone too, out there. Yeah. <laughs> hello. Cool. Well, until next week. Bye for now. Enjoy your Skittles. Bye.